and welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pill, the Mostly Hinged Conspiracy Podcast. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me, as always, is Abby Libby. Abby, how you doing today? I am good. I am maybe missing some hinges, but I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. Last week, it was me. This week, it's you. I was missing just enough hinges last week to get our video taken off of YouTube. So I'm just going to remind you guys early on, if you guys are watching YouTube, that's great. That's fine and all. But please come over to our Rumble channel. That's where the full show happens after we end this on Twitch and Odyssey and everywhere else. We go over to <coughs> Rumble and do an extra half hour or so of the show. So follow us at rumble.com slash, I guess, slash C slash conspiracy pill. That's how it works. But uh, we're going to be doing more stuff over there. But uh, with that out of the way, what are we talking about today, Abby? We are talking about vampires and cannibals in mythology and Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, this sounds very interesting. And I have purposely stayed in the dark because you wanted to surprise me with some of this stuff. So this is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. Um, one last thing before I, I let you take off with this totally, definitely very hinged subject. Uh, we do have one more um Subscriber, I wanted to shout out to our Locals channel. We do extra bonus episodes, unhinged episodes of Conspiracy Pilled on Locals, which you can find at conspiracypilled.locals.com. And that is a senior or senorita <laughs> tally whacker. So thank you for the six months of support over there on, on Locals. We appreciate it. But uh, yeah, so vampires, huh? Uh, yes, vampires and cannibals. So I want to start by saying... I'm going to cover a lot of topics that could each have a whole episode to themselves. So you're going to be very unsatisfied. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's There's going to be a lot of questions that I'm not going to answer. Kind of an overview of a whole lot of subjects, right? Yeah. I really like making connections between conspiracy theories. And uh, this, is, this has been really fun. So the other note I want to make is about cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know... There's two main types of cannibalism. There's cooked and uncooked. <laughs> no, okay. Well, those are other two types, okay. but survival cannibalism and ritual cannibalism. So <laughs> one where you would like die if you party. don't eat this dead person, um, which is still really, really gross, but you could make a moral argument about that being understandable at least. And then ritual cannibalism where throughout history, different people, different people groups have eaten brains or eaten it's usually involved with either war or dead loved ones yeah <laughs> sous vide and instapot that is correct those are the two types those are the two types of cannibalism yeah so pretty much exclusively talking about ritual cannibalism in this one um survival cannibalism is a whole other can of <laughs> brains that i don't really want to open so, <laughs> so no donner, okay. no donner party in this one is what you're saying yeah. Okay. Um, so our first, I'm going to bring together a lot of things and it's not going to be immediately clear why, but first section of this is going to be bloody cryptids. So right. originally when I uh, told PJ what this show is going to be about, I said, I'm doing an episode on the Wendigo, and uh, this is not an episode about the Wendigo. It was just a jumping off point for a totally different rabbit hole I went down. But this is this is the cryptid that inspired the episode. I there are a couple different conceptions of the Wendigo in 
uh, mythology, a couple different ways that they look. This is the one that is kind of based on a deer. Um, but the concept of it is that it is always hungry. Like it will not be satisfied. It just wants to eat you. It just wants to eat things. Um, so either this more animalistic one or there's a version that's more humanoid. Yeah, very creepy. This, more than any other cryptid I've heard about, really scares people. The people who live in the area seem to always be like kind of ridiculously scared of it. Like they don't even want to say the name of it. They call it the Wendy Boy, and they think that saying the name will summon it. So I'm just going to say the name a lot because I yeah. live in the area. <laughs> so I, I, it makes me think there's that one TikToker that we both share videos of back and forth a little bit. Yeah. And uh, what does she say? The thing that if you saw it, you didn't. If you yeah. heard it, you, you didn't or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Because there's so much with this one where it's kind of got a siren-like quality and it can be a shapeshifter. So it'll call it to you from the woods with your loved one's <clears throat> voice um, or act like somebody in danger in the woods. So the whole war of it is you don't want to hear it. You don't want to see it. You don't want to go looking for it. It's known to be accompanied by the smell of rotting flesh, which is consistent across a lot of cryptids. Yeah, it's to be fair. same with Bigfoot, I think. So, Yeah. But at the base of the Wendigo story for the Algonquin tribes, which are through Appalachia and up into Canada, which is where this cryptid because, you know, there's always an indigenous people group whenever there's something weird going on. Um, <laughs> facts. Yeah, facts. facts. Um, but their legends <laughs> about it kind of come down to a warning against cannibalism. Um, and even a warning against uh, survival cannibalism of if you eat one person. One time. Just one? Is, is it <laughs> like Pringles? One. Is it like Pringles? Just is that why they're warning you? Because if you can't have just one? Uh, the the story diverges. Either you can become a Wendigo or you can get possessed by the spirit of the Wendigo. So this is kind of like the mank that we talked about in the The Outlaw Pass episode where it's a cryptid that has a spirit that can go possess you and make you act however you want. Yeah. So pretty creepy one. Shape, shapeshifter, very like imitation and tricks. Um, and I want you to keep that in mind, that concept of a, of a trickster. So we're just going to move right along. Um, this concept of cannibalism and being never satiated reminds me of the myth of Tantalus in Greek mythology. So in Greek mythology, Tantalus was a king who decided he was going to trick the gods into eating his son. So he like sacrificed his son to them and served his son to them. and But he didn't tell them they were eating human. And they got really, really mad. And they cursed him to always be hungry and thirsty but never be able to eat or drink and uh, and to be a god. So they basically made him a god so that he'd have to live forever. Those Greeks went like a long ways to pull a practical joke on people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a little so, more extreme than I would go. Um, another cryptid that is often kind of brought up in the same conversations as the Wendigo is on the other side of the country. The Navajo people had this one called the Skinwalker. And this is the only one of these that kind of looks more like a werewolf. 
and seems to the story seems to be more like a werewolf. <clears throat> so it is a human. They say it's a human, but it can change into this creature, and then it's it's highly suspected by many of being the the thing behind the cattle mutilations. And I know you did a little research into cattle mutilations recently, so let's. I'd love to hear about that. Uh, I guess in which which aspect of it? It's it's interesting to me because it's being brought up again. Like I noticed that Tucker Carlson. I didn't even know this when I started looking into it, just for kind of like a TikTok thing. Um, it's being brought up again. I, I'm starting to hear it um, on different podcasts I'm listening to. So if people aren't familiar, cattle mutilations they go back <clears throat> they go back to as early reportings as like I think the 16th or 17th century. So I know a lot of people look into this and they think cattle mutilations was just a part of the satanic panic of the 1980s. <clears throat> and maybe there was like some groups that would go around and like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie or read the book dark places. It's like one of the plot points and it is this one kid. His friend is like, you know, it's the satanic panic is like why this kid gets his life ruined. And he's got this friend who just is like really into uh, being a rebel. So he's like, well, if, if that's the thing, then I'll just pretend to be a satanist and they go out and like slaughter some cows or whatever. But it seems to be a lot weirder than that. You've got like blood completely drained from animals without any trace of blood around them. Organs removed like they're not rotten, eaten by vultures, scavenged by wild animals. It, it's like surgical precision cuts. And yet if it was just a surgeon or a butcher, there'd be a lot of blood everywhere. So it's kind of right. like one of those unexplained things that gets linked back to like UFO lore or, or things like that. Yeah. So this is one of those stories around Skinwalker Ranch in particular, where there's been a lot of cattle mutilations on that ranch and in that area. And it's also the same area where the Skinwalkers are thought to exist by, by the tribes in the area. So the other thing I want to say about the Skinwalker is that the Navajo tribe differentiates them from their medicine men. So mm -hmm. they have their medicine men who have a relationship with the spiritual world and they see those as good. They see that as a good relationship with the spiritual world. But in their lore, the skinwalker has done something truly awful. They won't talk about what it is, but they're basically like saying, you made some terrible sacrifice, some terrible thing that you did to make this pact with a demon so that you could be this creature. So they're not as afraid of it as the Algonquins are afraid of the Wendigo, but they do think it's very evil. So would you say it's kind of fair to say like the Wendigo is more, I did something wrong and I'm being punished for it. And the skinwalker is like a, a conscious decision to like sell your soul. Yeah. And I think that, that the Wendigo is just creepier. It's just more like it. The lore is like, if you see it, you're dead. Like no right. one is going to see it. And there's not really Wendigo sightings per se. There's people who have had, you know, said they heard it or said they felt it, but nobody is like, I have straight up seen this. There's there's a couple stories where they say they've straight up seen it. But. Well, to the lore, if you straight up see it, you're like, you're not going to tell it. You're not going to tell anybody because you're going to be dead. Essentially, you're going to be right? dead. Yeah. I think there's like one story where the guy had people with him came to help him and, and he got away, but he said that it continued to pursue him throughout his life so that even if you see it and get away, you won't get away in perpetuity. It's like a uh, final destination. You ever see those movies? No, because no, I've never, of course seen, you any haven't, you've never seen any movie. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, go, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, so let's, let's leave the United States and go to China. China has this vampire creature called the Jiangxi and it's basically, um, the Tibetan Book of the Dead says that it's a deity. 
Um, the base legend says that they're reanimated corpses, but basically they will come suck your blood to drain your life force. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is the probably most famous <laughs> vampire story ever told set in Transylvania, Romania. And the thing about it is that it wasn't necessarily entirely fiction. There's plenty of evidence from Bram Stoker's own writings that he believed that either what he was writing was a true story or that it was heavily based in truth. <laughs> um, at the very least, he believed in the creatures he was writing about. Right. Um, I also want to point out, we had a really great comment on, uh, on because on, we got to get this straight, you know, because everybody gets this wrong. Jeff over on Twitter told us that it's uh, it, that Dracula is not the name of the monster. It's the name of the scientist. <laughs> That was, I'm, I'm sure somebody will get that. I thought that was one of the greatest comments that I saw when we said we were going to talk about vampirism. We don't deserve that. <laughs> no, we don't. In so many ways. <laughs> um. Sorry. Anyway. I just I thought it was a perfect time to bring that oh, comment Oh, man. Thank you for that. No. <laughs> Romanians at the time heavily believed in, in vampires um, to the extent that in the uh, archaeological record you can find skeletons that have had the the vampire precautions taken on them as described in Dracula so they have something <clears throat> stuffed stuffed in their mouth like a brick right um, severed head something like that um, people believed in it enough to desecrate their loved ones so that they couldn't come back as vampires so but one of the one of the um, associated things is the Strigoi, which is also in Romanian lore. It is it, it is by a different name, but it still has this concept of, of drinking blood um, in a lot of like fantasy stories that talk about it. We'll talk about it as like a type of vampire, but not the only type of vampire. But you'll see this in the in the Witcher, very evil blood sucking creature. Um, other interesting uh, <laughs> inspirations for Dracula include the elites of his time or, you know, a couple hundred years before his time. But, you know, who's keeping track? Uh, <laughs> the best known <laughs> is Vlad III Dracula. I literally Other thought you were going to say the Jews for a second as a joke because there's this whole thing about Dracula, like where he cuts the, he goes to cut him with a knife and like coins spill out. And it, like people think that Bram Stoker was like having this kind of hidden anti-Semitic message in his book. I thought no. that was a joke you're going to make. Sorry. They're anyway. not metaphors for Jews. <laughs> they're, he actually believed in vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. Um, but yeah, Vlad three Dracula was also known as Vlad the Impaler. So very, mm. very, violent bloody guy who was known for impaling people and possibly drinking blood one of the major uh, inspirations but i think more interestingly is lady dracula the countess of blood countess bathory she was accused of torturing and killing and drinking the blood of and eating pieces of upwards of 500 young women because she believed it would extend her life. So this was like, like the Hillary Clinton of her time. The Hillary Clinton of her time, adrenochrome all over the place. And allegedly she only got caught because she, she wasn't happy with just servants and she started to go after young women of um, other 
of renown. Like, yeah, like um, aristocratic families. Right, yeah. So this <clears throat> one was interesting too because when I went looking into her to get more information, I found a bunch of like feminist defenses of her. They were like, no, she wasn't actually bad. Just all the men falsely accused her. And I was like, I know we're not in this part yet, but like this is the same thing that comes up every time people are like, oh, Hillary Clinton's a feminist icon. And I'm like, you know that those emails were like real, right? Where she talked about doing satanic rituals. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. But feminism. <laughs> but feminism. Yeah. They'll excuse anything. Yeah. Uh, just like we excuse anything as long as they say they're conservative. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to move on. That happens. Okay. So. So this is all in the deep past, or at least the origins of these legends have all been in the deep past. But here's one that's more recent. I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this. But the Chupacabra <clears throat> legends only started in 1995. I I feel like at one point I did know that because I've looked into Chupacabra before, but it's been a few years since I really did any digging on it at all. So, that yeah, I guess that makes sense. So the Chupacabra started story started in Puerto Rico and it looked a certain type of way in Puerto Rico and then the stories migrated to Mexico and then it kind of got downgraded I think we have a picture of the original yeah, yeah sorry I was just reading the comments yeah so this is the original idea of a chupacabra which I find interesting because when I first looked into the chupacabra a, a, a few years ago I, I kind of looked into it briefly because I thought it was just I really thought it was a nothing burger like because what I was seeing was just, hey, here's a picture of a chupacabra and it'd just be this like mangy looking dog that somebody right. drew. And then you look into it and it's like, yeah, I guess a raccoon with mange or a dog with mange could be it. And you have to excuse like so much of the folklore and just how many people have seen and believe in it and talk about other features than the the mangy looking part of it. Yeah. And I feel like a few years ago, if you would have asked me, I was like, yeah, chupacabra is just a, man a dog with mange or a raccoon with mange or something. And now I'm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Yeah, it, it started in this town in Puerto Rico where all of these goats would be sucked dry. And the the name literally means like goat sucker. Right, yeah. Um, 40 miles away from a military base in Puerto Rico. Weird. Well, what about 40 miles away from a military base? That's where the it started? Town, the town where these goats of course started it does. dying? It always does though, doesn't it? It's, it's in a desert near a freaking military base every time. That's it's, where the, it's either indigenous peoples or the American military. It's literally it's always one or the other because like the, the green meteorites were only happening around military bases for a while there when the people first started seeing them or like all these weird things happened in the deserts around where they were. Yeah, it does. It's always a military base and or indigenous people or both like, so like the original like the sorry, the episode we did a few weeks ago. It was in uh, Russia, right? What was that? The Dyatlov Pass. Yeah, it was indigenous people and a military base. Yep, both. Both in the same exact oh. area. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, <laughs> the original conception is this: is this weird? If you'll bring the picture back up again, kind of weird alien any alieny thing with spikes on it, and then this artist added wings. I I don't think it always was thought to have wings. It was bats have been a, a possible explanation for it, but when the legend moved over to Mexico. They started to <clears throat> find these dog bodies and mangy dogs and blame it on that. But I think it was always a cope. Like, I think they were always trying to explain it away by saying it was just the, these, you know, easily dismissible dog 
that uh, that is interesting to me because like obviously in mexico you're going to have a lot of mangy dogs right yeah and on top of it i've heard in the same breath people talk about it being a a mangy dog or also large vampire bats i'm like those are so incredibly different creatures right. <laughs> yeah so it's it's weird it's like is it both is it either or like depending on the the yeah. day yeah it's very weird chupacabra made it all the way up to maine there are stories of of it in Maine. It's it's interesting stuff. The Mohawk is that canon. Yes. The original story has these like kind of porcupine spines almost on its head like that. <clears throat> nice. Um, a lot of the images looked very more much more like your typical alien. Um, but I, I pulled the one that fit my narrative best. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um there's a lot of artist renderings of each of these and I tended to pick the ones that looked most similar. <laughs> um, all right. So the next one is even more recent. In 2002, in Afghanistan, a group of American military claims that they saw a giant, killed a giant, that that the special forces true uh special forces <laughs> forces. Wow. <laughs> special forces group was roaming around in Kandahar and stumbled on this cave and this massive giant comes out of the cave and they all just froze because they were like on it was unreal and then one of them clicked into action and charged it and he basically impaled that guy on a on his pike and then they all clicked into action <clears throat> killed it um, they brought in a helicopter and brought this guy. There's multiple stories and they all match. So in a lot of ways, I think this is this is like a legitimately true story because some of the guys on the ground right. who will like name his buddy who got killed and then some of the guys like in the helicopter will all say 12 to 13 feet tall, uh, red hair, six fingers, <laughs> six toes on each foot. Which is classic Nephilim stuff. But the thing I want to focus on here is that the local people said this guy ate human flesh. This giant <clears throat> ate humans. I find this so interesting because we've been delving down different avenues of research simultaneously and then kind of coming you know, on the show and sharing it with each other. And this keeps coming up in my research on different subjects I'm looking into for, for last week and for future episodes. So like the fact that when we were preparing for this episode, I saw that you had the Kandahar giant in the in the show notes. I was like, oh, that's that's very interesting. It, it keeps coming up in everything that I'm looking into. Yeah. Yeah. So I buy it. You can choose to buy it or not. It's one story. But this kind of brings me into the Nephilim and one particular guy named Azazel. So before I get too deep into Azazel, I want to give a couple verses from Leviticus that talk about blood. Um, this is in the prescriptions for how the Jewish nation was supposed to eat. A lot of these prescriptions have to do with keeping them from getting diseases. Um, stuff like don't eat pork had to do with how easy, easy it is to die from eating pork, <laughs> especially with the with what they had. So in Leviticus 17, it says, For the life of every creature is its blood, its blood is its life. 
Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature for the life of every creature is its blood. Three times the life of every creature is its blood, which agrees with the Jiangxi conception of sucking out the blood to suck out the life. A lot of the adrenochrome stuff sucking out the life of people. Um, the, the Hansel and Gretel witch in the woods wanting to get the vitality of children by eating them or drinking their blood. All of that stuff. Leviticus 19.26 says, You shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. So kind of in the same breath, there's this connection between drinking the blood and witchcraft type stuff. <clears throat> right. Um, by the way, I am using the ESV. I, I grew up on the NIV, and then there was a point where there was a kind of a brouhaha about how the NIV was starting to translate God as she or like some gender issue. And so I started praying about like what I was going to go with instead. And the leading seemed pretty clear to the ESV. I had just decided on the ESV and then a good friend of mine gave me a Bible and it happened to be an ESV. So it was just a confirmation that I'd picked the right thing. And then a couple years later I was taking, I took four semesters of Greek in college and comparing a lot of different translations and just from even my limited knowledge, I was like, wow, the ESV is hands down a better translation of at least the Greek portions. So I say that because the next verse set that I'm going to read is not always translated the same way, but it is translated this way in the ESV. So this is Leviticus 16, starting in verse 7. This is talking about Yom Kippur and uh, giving instructions for how the Israelites were going to do this sacrifice set uh, for the Day of Atonement. So, uh, this is talking about Aaron. So, God is giving instructions to Aaron. Then he, being Aaron, shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement for it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. It's very interesting. It's one of those verses where it's like, you, you just kind of gloss over it maybe, and then you look back and you just take it and you're like, that's, that's really odd. Most translations use to the jackals. Um, <clears throat> I think the old King James, like the old, old King James, because there's been a lot of different versions right, of the yeah. King James, uses to the satyrs, this concept of a, of a goat god. Um, but what the ESV does is they just say, we have no idea what this means. We're just going to put the word that's there. Right. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, because I think trying to make an assumption about something you don't know, but it's, it's better to just say you don't know if you don't know, especially with the Bible. So who was Azazel? Do we have any clues? Last week, we talked about the book of Enoch. <laughs> yeah, it definitely came up a bit. So can you remind us, is the book of Enoch the Bible? What do we think about what's in Enoch? So the book of Enoch is not in, officially in the Bible. 
Um, but it was one that's been referenced in the Bible quite a few times. So it was referenced by Jude. It was referenced by Peter. Uh, Jude said that that Enoch was a prophet. Um, basically, a lot of the early church believed that Enoch was uh, was scripture, essentially. And there was kind of a debate over it. And it, it was, I don't think it was ever like really strongly put down as like a heresy or anything, but it was just like, this does not belong in the word with the rest of it. So even the people who agreed were like, look, if this was meant to be actually in the canon of the Bible, um, then more people would agree, but they still many, many early church followers or church leaders believe that it was an inspired work of God. And it was, uh, Basically, it was true. Like it was talking about something that's talked about in Genesis, and then essentially expanding on it to talk more about Nephilim and and Azazel in particular leading the Nephilim. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to highlight some portions from this first section of the Book of Enoch, which is called the Story of the Watchers, the Book of the Watchers, something like that. <clears throat> right. Um. So it talks about a group of angels led by Semyaza. I have. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sitting here. Can I just it. add one more thing? I think Rob yeah. Skiba actually put it best. He said that uh, the book of Enoch is a biblically endorsed extra biblical book. Yes. That's probably it's, the best way to put it. And that would be how I would decide to classify it and kind of, I think in the, in those few words kind of sums up my thoughts on it. Yeah. It's quoted twice, once in Jude and once in Second Peter, I think. One of the Peters. Right. So it talks about how this group of angels led by Simyaza are like, hey, the the daughters of men are super hot. Let's go uh, have sex with them and have kids. And so they all agreed and, and uh, took this oath that they were going to do this. And Enoch says that not only did they go have sex with them, but they also taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots, and made them acquainted with plants. And they, being the women, became pregnant, and they bare great giants, whose height was 3,000 L's, who consumed the giants, consumed all the acquisitions of men, and when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. They began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish, and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. Um, and then a little bit further, Azazel comes on the scene. So we have an artist rendering of Azazel. Um, and he's not one of the ones that's listed as one that came to have sex with women, but he did come down to get up to other nonsense. And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them, and bracelets and ornaments, and the use of antimony, which is something you can do with silver, and the beautifying of the eyelids, and all kinds of costly stones, and all coloring tinctures. So, makeup. So, he brought he brought makeup and Wiccanism. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> and there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray, and became <clears throat> corrupt in all their ways. Semyaza taught enchantments and root cuttings, Armaros, the revolving of enchantments. Barakiel taught astrology. Kukabel, the constellations. Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds. Arachiel, the signs of the earth. Shamsiel, the signs of the sun. And Sariel, the course of the moon. So Azazel kind of led this charge, and then the rest of them were like, yeah, let's teach all the witchcraft and all the astrology. 
And Enoch is kind of known as this almost holy book for the Magi because it, later on it talks about the courses of the stars and how the stars are supposed to move. And then you can kind of draw conclusions about what might happen from when the stars go off course, I think is the idea. But there was a reason why the Magi in the New Testament knew to come that Jesus had been born. They weren't, they weren't Jews. They weren't believers. They saw a star and they were like, holy crap. And so they traveled a long ways to go meet the Messiah. Right. <clears throat> so back to Azazel. Um, all of this kind of culminated in so much blood, so much violence that the Bible talks about there being just incredible violence before the flood. And when it all is said and done, Azazel gets the brunt of the punishment for what all of these angels have done. Even though it wasn't his idea, he didn't lead the charge for for the you know having sex with human women thing, but because he taught all of this sin. Um, it says, bind Azazel hand and foot and cast him into the darkness and make an opening in the desert, which is in Dudael, and cast him therein. So, He's associated with the wilderness here, like bound to the wilderness. And he's associated with all of this evil that's happening, all of this witchcraft, but also kind of the cannibalism and blood drinking of the Nephilim. This all, like everything you're saying, I'm literally just thinking of like the rise of, of pagan witchcraft today amongst women you know like the feminism yeah. angle it's like I'm, I'm like the stereotype that comes to my mind is like really heavy purple eye makeup like you were talking about going in the woods you know the crescent moon thing the the cutting of herbs like all like literally everything that like all of these different um fallen angels you talked about were teaching human women it sounds exactly like like the whole wiccan religion today which is on the rise <clears throat> and it's funny because like this whole talk around Nephilim has been on the rise. The book of Enoch has come back into people's consciousness. It, it feels like both sides of this holy war from pre Noah times is like kind of resurfacing in so many ways. Yeah. So a lot of, you know, it's kind of an obsession of mine to connect a lot of these characters across pantheons. So my conclusion is that Azazel is the same as Prometheus the Titan who stole fire from the gods and gave it to humans and then was punished by the gods for giving humans forbidden knowledge. So kind of a, a hero god to humans, but heavily cursed and punished by the gods. And then Loki, the trickster god, um, who is all up in his witchcraft and just all he wants to do is just make trouble and play tricks against the gods' will. It's He just seems to be, he's not even doing what, the gods want him to do. He's just out for himself. He just wants to play all these tricks. And that kind of brings me back to the Wendigo and the concept of him being connected with this blood drinking and cannibalism and the wilderness and, you know, sending a goat out to Azazel. And for a long time, I have wondered if Azazel and or if he has followers uh, is kind of the answer behind a lot of these cryptids. If he is the Wendigo, if he is the chupacabra and all of these things. It's interesting. It's an interesting thought just for the fact that like if every other one of these gods is, is concerned around human worship, right? 
if something someone like Azazel is out there like making all of these like <laughs> animal demon hybrids, you know, like kind of just doing his own evil thing, weird thing. I don't know. It's just a thought. The other thing that kind of comes up in, in Enoch is this concept that the demon humid hybrids were bound to the earth. They couldn't they couldn't be taken they couldn't be sent to hell. They couldn't be taken back to heaven. They couldn't be anything, but they had they were evil. They had evil spirits. And they're um it kind of comes back to like the evil spirit of the mank and the evil spirit um that possesses the skinwalker and the evil spirit of the wendigo that can go out from it and, and hurt other things. This this concept that there's like a physical, but then there's an evil spirit inhabiting it. It's interesting you say that they can't go heavenward or hellwards. Like, is this where you think all of the spiritual like ghosts things like that like all the it's kind of like coming from like if they if they die and they can't go anywhere are they just like inhabiting our plane still i have a whole mythology of ghosts that has to do with the concept of cain's blood crying out from the ground uh, or sorry abel's blood crying out to cain from the ground um you find a lot of you have your evil ghosts and you have your kind of sad ghosts who just want justice. And I think the sad ones are more or less just a shell, just a, like a, a story. It's just the blood crying out from the ground. The person's not stuck there anymore. It's just a, um, like a memory like an echo or yeah. 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 That's interesting. But I think the evil ones, the, um, poltergeist types are definitely your mm-hmm. evil spirits. Yeah kind of linked to like the Nephilim because that's one of the things I keep hearing as I'm diving more into Nephilim is like this idea that they can't go anywhere so they're like re-inhabiting people like there's one person I was listening to this week that was talking about um, essentially this idea of like through DNA and gene alteration trying to like turn on that dormant Nephilim DNA that's in some people and like so they can be inhabited by these wandering spirits and stuff like that I found it kind of interesting yeah I know it's kind of all of, out there stuff, but you know, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, and we could do a whole episode yeah, yeah. on Nephilim. I won't, for five. I'll hold you up for sure. But one last thing I want to bring out from mythology that's kind of in this vein. Okay. Somebody on rumble, I'm going to interrupt myself. Somebody on rumble is saying that they came because YouTube stopped. Is anybody, I'm st- my YouTube is still going. I'm still seeing people commenting from YouTube. And I want okay. while while we're on the subject really quick, because I know we've been asking people to come over to Rumble. Obviously, YouTube took down our latest video. And we're so close to like honestly, it, it would do it would make us incredibly happy if we could just move so much more people over to Rumble and just say screw YouTube forever. And we're so right. close to a thousand people on YouTube on Rumble if you guys could help us. But the thing I was gonna say is someone um in chat said, I can't the comment we can't put the comments on screen essentially from Rumble. That isn't it. That is an issue. It just doesn't play well with any software that we found yet. We're looking to find a way around this, but we are keeping the Rumble chat up, and that's specifically another reason why we go to Rumble at the end of the show. We can still see all of your comments. We can answer and talk to you guys. So I know some people like to do it this way, and it's probably the best way to do it. Is you know if you want to be on YouTube, so you can put the comments in the show while we're doing this part, and then we end on YouTube and go strictly to Rumble. You can you know migrate there. That's one way a lot of people do it, but. It's not that we're ignoring your chats on Rumble. I just literally can't. There's no software I can find that will put them on screen yet, and I'm still, still looking into it. So, just wanted to address that while we're while the subject was up. Yeah. So the last thing I want to bring up from mythology is this concept of the Holy Grail, which would be the chalice that Jesus drank from, 
the the night he was arrested, the <clears throat> communion night. The same one that Indiana Jones drank from? Yeah, that one. Okay. It's it's all through mythology, it's all through story. Right. But the kind of darker concept behind it is that the Merovingian bloodline, which is an Illuminati bloodline, which claims to be descended from Jesus and Mary Magdalene, um, the idea is if you could put their one of their blood into the Holy Grail, you could have eternal life if you drank it. Um, and there's a lot of this. Christianity has this concept of communion where you drink the wine and you eat the bread and it's symbolic of Jesus's blood sacrificed for us and his body broken for us. The Catholics believe that in the moment of the priest giving communion that is actually converted into physical blood and body. Um, as a Protestant, I find that creepy and in the, this context, especially in a conversation about cannibalism and vampirism, I find it really creepy, but if there are any Catholics listening, I, I'm, I'm not trying to insult you in any way. I just wanted to bring it up. So she could insult you. No, no, no. no. I, well, I, I can yeah. insult you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think it's, it, it's a necessary part of the conversation. If I'm going to be quoting the Bible and talking about cannibalism and vampirism, I don't know how I could not mention that. Yeah. Um, Cause communion is such a big part of the Protestant faith as well. So, okay, I want to get into Hollywood. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) That's exciting. That's what you've been waiting for. (laughs) There seems to be some kind of obsession with blood in Hollywood for some reason, I think. Yeah. (laughs) It's really weird. I stumbled on a song the other day that I was like, holy crap, how is this an actual song? It's by Post Malone. It's called Hollywood's Bleeding. And here's just, because we can't play the whole thing, 30 seconds of it from his Grammys performance in 2021. Hollywood's bleeding, vampires feeding, darkness turns so Everyone's gone, but no one's leaving, nobody left but us. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Was that twenty or thirty? I'm trying not to like. <laughs> that's get that's us in that's fine. Okay. Um, if you want to go ahead and listen to the whole song, there's mm-hmm. multiple references to vampirism, um, blood, um werewolves howling at the moon um and dying young uh how how celebrities die young and just like the a, emptiness of the whole endeavor it's an like a 27 young song. like a, a specifically 27 young is that what we're talking about no okay but there's two there's um <clears throat> you saw the first one and then right. there's another reference to dying young um somebody said they couldn't understand what he was saying he's 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 references vampires and he says hollywood hollywood is bleeding Right. Um, so hopefully we won't get copyright struck on that, but I wanted to, I wanted to share it at the top of this. You know what? Episode. Screw YouTube. This stuff stays up on Rumble anyway, so I'm not even worried about yeah. it anymore. It, yeah. It, it's every time we talk about blood, they take our stuff down. <laughs> believe it or not, uh, we we were able to get our Adrenochrome episode back up on YouTube somehow, but the the Nephilim DNA was too much. So 
Yeah. This one's probably not going to stay on YouTube is my point. We were, we're uh, candidly, we're really close to the, you know, we're in the process of applying for monetization on YouTube, but we don't really have any hope of getting it or keeping it. Right. Yeah. We're so at again, the stage where, where we should be able to have it. Right. Um, you guys have been really awesome. The line is 1,000 followers and 4,000 watch hours, and you guys got it, got us there, and that's amazing. But we've we've never wanted to rely on any type of financial incentive from YouTube. So. Right. Okay, let's get into PJ's favorite topic, spirit cooking. Yeah, do we want to watch oh. this? Uh, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you let, me, play this let video? me set it up okay. real quick. So... Marina Abramovich is a performance artist, which is basically just um, the type of art she does is a performance. It's it's kind of a cross between a play and a painting. And she's done some actually really interesting stuff. It's always really dark, um, but I found some of her stuff to be incredibly thought-provoking. She seems to be both wise and very controlled by the demonic. So kind of a weird combination of that. Right. I think but, all but, great artists yeah, are right. able to reach into the spiritual world. And I think she just reaches in a very dark direction. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's 100% true. We talked about that on the Kanye episode. Um, when you say, what you call her kind of performance artist? Is that what you said? By perform- performance Yeah. By performance artist, I think with Marina Abr- Abramovich, what she's doing is she's making art about satanic rituals by performance performing satanic rituals so like performance artist but she's just like you know a satanic ritualist in 1997 she did this performance art in a gallery in italy and we will just show you a small piece of it because it's really gross yeah yep all right here's a little bit of it that's blood like actual blood by the way yeah Allegedly pig blood. Yeah, so this is the basis of spirit cooking. So every time I've mentioned that with the Clintons, I'm talking about drawing on the walls with blood and semen, literally. Yeah, this piece, she called it Spirit Cooking. Yep. And she published a cookbook that went along with it that reads very much like... Was it Pow Wow Chow? Is that the cookbook? <laughs> Sorry. No, <guys. laughs> it's it's all of these like... Do you remember the scene in Narnia in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader where Lucy is reading from the, the wizard's spell book? I have not read that one. Okay. I, so, apologize. So, anyone who, yeah, PJ hasn't read any good books and I no, haven't watched any good I, movies. I've read and, a lot. Of, I've read some of the Narnia books, just not that one. I'm not there yet. Okay. Working okay, my way through. Okay. Well, this, a lot of these witchcrafty spells are like go out on a full moon night and, and dip your warts in, in water that has been reflected by the full moon and then your warts will go away. Like, dip it three times. And her, her, cookbook spirit cooking cookbook was was very much that it, it's that whole mix breast milk and semen and then splash it on your face and which for people listening forever. that's what she was writing on the wall to mix breast exactly. milk and semen and she's she's writing out actual satanic rituals in blood on walls and it's quote-unquote yeah. performance art that she just happens to be super connected with everyone 
she knows everyone who is anyone in Hollywood, uh, everyone from Hillary Clinton to Lady Gaga to all of them. And there was something, are you familiar with the Ouija board, Ouija board rule? Maybe. How it only works if everybody in the room consents. Oh, yes, I did know that. Yeah. So the idea behind this is that when she performed spirit cooking, people didn't know what was going on. So it, it wasn't as if everyone who watched it had consented to the ritual. So how would she go about doing the ritual in a context where everybody in the room would be consenting? Do we know? Is it signing NDAs or signing agreements like like she's done with some of her performance art? Well, she, she might want to start with like doing it in a small intimate setting in her home and like emailing certain people e- and emailing, seeing if they want to come. Yeah, emailing uh, presidential campaign runners and uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there, was a, there was a brouhaha about spirit cooking when it first happened and then everybody forgot about it for a long time. And then all of a sudden in the WikiLeaks thing, Podesta emails leaked and all of a sudden you see her inviting one of the Podestas, not John, the other one, to her spirit cooking night at her home where she said, we're going to be cooking some traditional soups. She, well, she might not be wrong about traditional. It's just who's <laughs> tradition. I mean, you know, this stuff with the Nephilim goes back to before the time of Noah. So it could be a very ancient tradition. A, tr- a, a soup of, of blood and semen and breast milk sounds so lovely. Yeah. Simmer it on low heat for five minutes. You know. Yeah. Splash it on your face. Be beautiful forever. <laughs> um, because of, of this link with Podesta, people started to ask, was it really pig's blood? Or was it some other type of blood? We'll just We'll just leave that there. My theory about this is that when she did the piece, it was an advertisement for her services where she was like, I know how to do this ritual. And then ever since, I think she's been having these small rituals in her home with all of her friends in Hollywood doing these rituals. Um, and she just kind of got caught a little bit in the emails. See, I think I think that the, the performance art one was a, a mix of two things. It was definitely pig's blood because then she can say like, look, this is what I use for every other time that I do this at the elite's house, right? And she probably could source it. If you asked her, she probably is like, here's where I got it from and you, here's my receipts, right. whatever. And then on top of that, you said, and this is true of all satanic ritualism, everybody has to consent. It's true with Ouija boards, it's true with, with all this stuff. It's why they tell you what they're going to do, by the way. Uh, yeah. We talked about this with the Andrew Tate stuff. So what I think is it's like, it's like a dry run, right? Is that what, how you would call it? It's like, hey, not everybody in this yeah. room is consenting. I'm using pig's blood. This is right. not the real ritual. This doesn't actually have any of that satanic magic to it. But now yeah. you're aware of it, and now people are asking me for my services. And then the people who are the conspiracy theorists out there, look, this was just a performance art. It was just pig's blood. So that's what it always is, right, is the assumption. She doesn't even have to say it. She just hopes that you will assume it or that her defenders, the mainstream media, whoever, We'll just be like, well, look, this is what she does uh, at art museums, and it's just it's just performance art. Yeah. So here's some other examples of, and I had lots to choose from, so this is not the only examples from Hollywood about weird cannibalistic stuff. But um, going with Marina Abramovich, here's a photo of her and Lady Gaga. I'm gonna, I'm gonna quickly give a, a warning because I know yeah. I know people like Jess watched and love our show, and we do 
do some of the times we have to get into some really disturbing stuff, and this one is particularly disturbing. So I'll yeah. give you guys a few seconds if you want to just, your eyes. you know, put it on a different tab, but listen and not watch this. We'll just tell you when it's gone. But you've had enough warning now. Uh, yeah, this is Marina Abramovich and Lady Gaga. Yeah, that is a body in a vat of blood question mark it's off the screen now uh it's supposed i've I've heard different explanations for this i heard it was lifelike cake and i have seen other ones where they do lifelike cakes and they're at these dinner parties and they're cutting into these very real looking human bodies covered in very real looking blood or corn syrup whatever it is and this one i don't know is it a model that's laying there letting people eat chocolate off of her in some kind of like cannibalistic ritualistic weird symbolism or is it a cake or is it what we think it is what i think it very likely could be an actual human body yeah it's really difficult to tell um there were other photos in the same kind of vein where like model model like live models were sitting with like in a table so the table was going around their head they were sitting under the table but they it was like so it's just their head showing on the table like under a platter but the platter had been removed and just sitting there while people ate around them with their head in the middle. This is part of the gaslighting though, isn't it? Part of the gaslighting is look, this is all performance art. So then anytime you hear or see anything about us doing cannibalistic rich satanic rituals, you have to assume because we showed you pictures of us doing this very fake, very controlled Mm -hmm. uh, thing that that's what it always is. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that Netflix has done all of this stuff with Is It Cake? The, oh my gosh. Have you seen that? I was watching it with my kids the other day and I hate the guy who hosts it. But yes, you're right. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this particular when we were watching it. I was like, yep, that's how they do this stuff. I think it's part of the predictive programming of like right. you 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 watch Is It Cake? You see how lifelike cakes can be. And then you're like, yeah, that body they're eating is totally just a cake. And you know this because you watch Netflix. Right. Yeah, that's a more more of the gaslighting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So here's another one. This is from Kesha performing her song uh, Cannibal. Not as bad, but I'll give you a few seconds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretending to drink blood mark, from a human heart. To drink blood from a heart. Yeah. Do you uh, think that that's a real heart? I I yes. think it is. I don't think it's a yeah. human heart because of the size, but I've done enough... Um, processing of of animals deer cows things like yeah. that I grew up on a farm that looks like a, a, it could be a cow heart by just by the size yeah. or deer heart yeah it's it's something i think it's i think it's real i don't think that's what it would look like if you wanted a fake one i think a fake one would just look prettier i think it's real careful. just yeah. by yeah i think it is yeah it's, uh here's Here's another example. Uh, our friend Kanye. I think we showed this we one did, during the Kanye episode. We did show this. This was part of the post Kanye conversion. We were supposed to believe he wasn't part of the elite satanic ritualism stuff. And this was a few months ago, essentially, with his new girlfriend that he got like the moment after Kim left him that he's still crying over. Yet he's yeah. doing satanic cannibal photo shoots with his Wiccan girlfriend. Yeah, it seems like Again, a lot. why I don't believe Kanye when he says that he's a reformed Christian or anything. It's like, sorry. Yeah, this, yeah, this photo looks very Christian. 
<laughs> <laughs> Leather kink daddy stuff and cannibalistic uh, imagery. Yeah, that's... Anyway. It seems at the very least, Hollywood people really like to play with the idea of cannibalism. Katy Perry has a, a music video that I'm, we're not showing. There, there, Army Hammer has... I, I didn't bring the Army Hammer one in because he was canceled over apparently these these texts where he was saying like, I want one of your ribs to eat. Um, but the texts are unverifiable. And so it's, it's unclear if he really sent them or if somebody was out to get him. Um, but it's it's all come up quite a bit. Weird, bloody, vampiristic, cannibalistic stuff in Hollywood. Right. Very Balenciaga. Yep. Um, we're still down the Balenciaga rabbit hole, by the way, and there's more stuff coming out. So I'm sure we'll have more to talk about with Balenciaga in the future because that, that whole thing's not over. Like, yeah, they got away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Speaking of Balenciaga, John, my husband wanted to watch Zoolander two the other night and I had seen Zoolander one and hadn't seen Zoolander two. So I was like, okay, well I'm down. And in the first couple scenes, they have a fashion show that is really obviously making fun of Balenciaga, which I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be good. And the weird references to all kinds of conspiracy stuff just kept coming. Let me show you this, this uh, clip where just kind of the whole plot hinges on this clip, basically. Yeah. The Garden of Eden. The birthplace of Adam and Eve. And Steve. That is kind of funny, though. Evil forces have hunted his offspring for centuries. For the legend states that if you wrench the still beating heart from the gorgeous body of a true descendant of Steve and drink its blood, you will obtain eternal beauty. So the fountain of youth is not a fountain at all. The fountain of youth is. It cuts her off there, but this is the only clip I could find of it on the internet. I don't know if she says blood, but that is what she's saying. The fountain of youth is is blood. That's that's the yeah. point of Zoolander. I gotta say this really quick before you make your next point. We were talk we talk about this a lot. Personality types, like we have a similar personality type, so we essentially married the same personality yeah. type. Your husband asked you to watch Zoolander 2. My wife made me go to the movie theaters to see Zoolander 2 when it came out. And when I told when you told me I have to watch it again, I told her and we watched it last night, and she was like, Yes. I was like, of course. She loves Zoolander. She she doesn't like Zoolander too. She tells me, but she likes the first Zoolander. So I don't know. It is Zoolander two is fascinating because there are so many references. They do some digs at non-binary people. They do some a lot of like weird Hollywood references, but there are so many big name cameos, and most of the big name cameos are during the ritual scene at the very end when they're trying to sacrifice the descendant of Steve to to have eternal youth. And like Mark Jacobs is there and all of these actors and actresses and people in the fashion industry. There. Yeah. And it's like all of these <clears throat> actors and actresses got together and made this movie and they had to know that it was real. I mean, this is a reference to Adrenochrome. My wife asked me after we watched the movie last night, she's like, do you think these people know? And I'm like, of course they know. It's just like they know and either they're a part of it or they know and they choose to pretend it doesn't exist 
or they know and this is a way of them spoofing it so much that you will think that it's just some doofy Zoolander 2 plot and it couldn't possibly be real like that's part of that's part of the gaslighting too and it's like I always bring up Harvey Weinstein with this because when Harvey Weinstein came out what was it that everybody in Hollywood said yeah we all knew but you you did nothing you did nothing at all so if this if that's the same excuse yeah we know they're you know we know they traffic kids and we know they drink blood and it's whatever but you know until it comes out for ritual purposes only. For ritual purposes only. Thank you. Yes. As uh, Megan Fox said, and we can't play that clip because we get it, our video taken down every time we do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That movie was wild because I watched it when it was in theaters. And I remember having some thoughts about it. But watching it now, I was like, was I such a normie back then that I didn't get it? And then I started thinking, like, so much of what happens in this movie was not even talked about in the conspiracy circles yet. This was pre-Podesta email leaks. So before everybody was really talking about Marina Abramovich, this was pre-Frazzle Drip, if I can say that on YouTube. Probably not. Uh, but there's a very obvious reference to that in the in the movie. Did you catch that? I think I missed it. So go okay, ahead. Okay, so I'll explain this one. There is um, an advertisement for a cologne or a... No, it's a beauty cream. There's an advertisement for a beauty cream. And she says, do you ever see a young person with perfect skin and you just wish that you could cut off their face and put their face on your face? This is us bottling that feeling. And (laughs) it's, it's a advertisement for making your skin look younger by taking beautiful, healthy skin from younger people. Think Sandra Bullock and the penis facial think if you know what frazzle drip is which is literally exactly that. And this is before any of that stuff was talked about. So like I'm watching back this movie going, this isn't them responding to conspiracy theorists. This is them preempting the conspiracy theorists. That's why it was so convincing to me. This movie like blew my mind watching it again last night. It's kind of like monsters incorporated where sometimes Mm. when they bring stuff up, it's to make fun of it. And sometimes I think it's their way of kind of assuaging the guilt a little bit, like getting it off their chest they know no one will take it seriously. We're going to talk about Adrenochrome the only way we can in Monsters Incorporated in Zoolander 2. Um, so my whole point, just to kind of wrap up the YouTube section, is that we have seen cannibalism and vampirism all through history, largely related to the Nephilim, largely related to witchcraft, largely related to cryptids. And we are seeing a rise in it in Hollywood today, along with witchcraft. Them playing with <clears> that <throat> concepts of drinking blood, eating human flesh, and witchcraft. Right. Yeah, that's pretty wild stuff. Um, so yeah, again, we're gonna go over. We got more. We got a whole nother section of this show that's over on Rumble only. So if you can join us there, and uh, we'll be able to read your chats and talk with you guys. You get the full show. Because, again, screw YouTube <laughs> and all that stuff. And if you're uh, an audio listener, the best thing you can do is come over to conspiracypill.locals.com. And then even if you don't want to support the show with with uh, $5 a month, you can still get the full audio show that the Rumble section included for the audio-only listeners. And then everybody who wants to come over and support us there gets uh, extra bonus unhinged episodes. So we really appreciate that. It helps us out a ton. Anything else you want to say before I head over to Rumble? Nope. All right. I dropped it in the chat for you guys that are watching live. We will see you guys on Rumble. 